Hey, it's Moms versus Aunts, your weekly happy hour where we chop it up about trends, gossip, solo mom life, and how to level up in this crazy world. Welcome. It's another Moms versus Aunts. I'm Kiki. I'm here with Vanessa, I'm- your favorite mommy. <laughs> Um, I I feel like it's, I don't know. I'm not going to lie. It's been a long week. I don't know what it is about this week in particular. I think it's because maybe it was a shortened week. It was a holiday week. And I am just, I feel tired. I'm like, don't understand how it's already July. And so I'm trying to get my, are you, are you feeling the same way? Well, yeah. And then I had to like work on the 4th of July because, you know, got to go make that money. And this is when people are having like catered, like nice barbecues. I was actually had a sick ass view. No fireworks, but my client has like a triplex loft on the East River. It's so dope. And so I had some really great views. But yeah, I always feel kind of tired because I don't get to relax on the holidays like everybody else. And then it's like, it feels like it's already Tuesday and then it's Wednesday, you know, it just, yeah, totally right there with you. No, you know what I will, I will say that I appreciate about uh, West Coast living. You know, I've always been, um, I always love day drinking. It's just my favorite time. I love starting early (laughs) and California life really, everyone starts really early, but here's the other side, because you start early, you end early, which again, (laughs) I don't mind either because I don't mind being in bed, but yeah, I didn't even make it. I don't even know if it had gotten dark by the time I was already like tucking myself into into bed. So I definitely didn't see any fireworks (laughs) but wait like what what i'm not even being like ignorant but like what is fireworks on the west coast because it's all about the macy's fireworks new york city like you know if you're not like in new york city that's what gets televised so what's happening in like where do people go where are they watching fireworks? I wish I could tell you. I, I went to I went to bed. I went to bed, so I could not tell you. I I was I had a great view on a rooftop, but it was daytime, so I don't know if I would have seen anything from there. Um, I don't know. I saw some stuff in downtown. It looked like some stuff got shot into a building, so that was dangerous. Um, I think there might have been some stuff out in Malibu, but I didn't go out there. Um, so yeah, I don't. I I, I maybe I'll tell be able to tell you next year, but. Uh, yeah. As long as I continue this uh, day drinking early to bed thing, I don't know if I'll ever see them. So we'll see. Well, <laughs> great se- great segue to um, to the drink of, of today because it's such a nice, lovely, refreshing beverage I have for you, which is perfect if you've already been doing a lot of drinking this week. Um, I am making a Chambord Lemonade. Do you like Chambord? Mm, very. Do you know what Chambord is? I do. Is? I mean, I've usually put it into champagne. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in champagne, it's referred to as a Cure Royale. Um, and Chambord, for those of you who don't know, is this delicious French liqueur that tastes like raspberry. It is so delicious. And um, Chambord lemonade is super easy because it's literally just one ounce of Chambord, one ounce of vodka, and you pour that in a tall glass filled with ice and then top it off with lemonade. That's it. 
It is so refreshing. It is so summery. And if you feel so inclined, you can garnish with some fresh lemon slices and fresh raspberries. But that's it. It is pretty and it is refreshing and you can drink like five of them. Randomly enough, I actually do have Chambord in my cabinet, which seems really random, but not because I do love, you know, champagne and I love to just like, you know, put a little bit in in. You know, it's one of those liqueurs that you have and they last for so long because you don't use a bunch of it. Mm -hmm. But then it's also super sticky. So if Mm -hmm. you put the top on, Mm -hmm. it's like sometimes hard to get off if you don't use it that that, that often, which most people don't. (laughs) We we talked about that, I think, when we were talking about um, St. Germain with another drink. I guess Mm. maybe we should just be like wiping down the top before you close it because yeah you definitely they stay in your liquor cabinet for on your like drink cart and you just kind of buy them once every couple of years and then when you go back to try to open it they're really hard it's so much sugar they're so hard to open um but that anyways, makes sense why yeah wipe it wipe off the top why wouldn't we do that it seems so simple because yet. you're drinking <laughs> You're drinking when it's happening and then you lose the who does that? I don't know. It sounds like an invention. Maybe that that's a little um, side hustle hustle. Come up with the invention for being able to open your sticky liquor bottles, guys. I just that's free. I gave that to you. Whoever comes up with it, you're going to be out here winning. Um, But yeah, so you even gave them a name, Sticky Liquor. I mean, that's a great name. Uh, All right. I have my drink. You have your drink. What are we talking about today? What are we talking about? You know, there's like, I feel like the only thing we can talk about, seriously, because her name is on everyone's lips, even people who don't watch Bravo, Ebony K. Williams. You know, Ebony K. Williams Mm. was the, or is the first Black housewife uh, of Real Housewives of New York. And, you know, she came on the scene, um... And I would say that she is the biggest character in the show. And I think there's been a lot of conversation around her because, you know, she is really bringing up conversations that have never happened um, on Bravo and, um, you know, really putting... um, putting these conversations in a place that is making these old characters, what we're calling the OG characters, the Ramonas, the Luans, who've just been so comfortable all of these years, just like doing what they do. Um, And it really, um, they're having to like, sort of like, oddly defend their weird behaviors, which nobody is down for. But, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk around that. And, you know, I feel for Ebony because it's, it's been really on social media. She had to take a break, all of these things. Um, So I want to talk about Ebony, but I want to talk about not those things because I feel like she's just having to (laughs) carry the load for like a lot of black women on these topics. Right. But, you know, she does a lot of, you know, she's a lawyer and she has podcasts and she's on, you know, she's friends with Charlamagne the God. So she's on Breakfast Club quite often. And so Mm, she was on recently because, you know, part of her storyline that is, you know, that seems to be getting wiped away because we're talking about these other things. But part of her storyline is that, you know, she was in a relationship, a long-term relationship and the guy, he had, you know, children from a previous relationship, you know, they had moved in together down in the financial district. And then when the pandemic hit, he really had to make a choice 
Um, and the choice was to be with his children who were in New Jersey. So essentially they broke up. Um, and so part of her storyline is that she really wants to find love and, um, you know, find a really good relationship. So she ha- was on the breakfast club talking to Charlemagne about, you know, some of the, you know, things that are kind of like, you know, what does it mean to her, the roles in a relationship? And it was interesting because I think, you know, people have this perception of who Ebony is because she's just like this, you know, independent woman. But I would say that this little snippet, um, I don't know, it's, it showed a different side of her. So I wanted to play it for you and you let me know what you think. Okay. One of the things that I'm most proud of that I offer to a husband um, and this is where finding a man that values these things is important because we know everybody doesn't value the same things. If ha- coming home to a sanctuary is important to you, if coming home to a curated home where you are king of your castle, where it looks good, it smells good, there's a hot meal, you don't have to worry about where your clothes are, they're clean, they're hanging up, everything's organized, your kids are clean, they've done their homework, those things... I'm the woman for you. I really believe a woman's role is to curate a safe, very comfortable, loving home. So it was really interesting, right? Because we, I think we have this expectation um, of when we, you know, see women who are clearly making their own money, super independent. We have this uh, idea um, that they want to be equal partners in every single way. And I thought it was really interesting that she was like, no, I we are equal partners, but like I do this part and you do this part. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I've always had this, um, I've always held this crazy belief. It seems crazy now uh, or not listening to Ebony that like, I I just don't understand why we got to a place where feeling empowered as a woman meant like we couldn't also be like homemakers. Like there was something that happened with like women's lib where like we went from being just like caretakers at home to like switching to being like, you know, like working women, which always makes me think of the 80s where they wore like tights and sneakers to work with their pumps in their bag and then switched to their heels when they got (laughs) to the office. And then they were, you know, but like, I just never understood why you kind of couldn't really be both. Because I'll tell you, like in the 1800s, I would have been popping. Like, I know how to cook. I know how to sew. I know how to keep house. Like, I'm like, you know, like I would have been, I would have like fucking been popping. Like, couldn't tell me shit. But like, you know, it's really hard because it's 2021. I'm also an entrepreneur and I run a business and I have like, you know, all these other income streams I'm trying to put together. And I'm like, you know, really like trying to like, you know, I'm like that go-getter girl, but I still very much love like to, I like what she's talking about. I love to create like a, a whole vibe at home. I take it very seriously. Like when my kids get home, even if I've been sad or mad or in a shitty mood all day, like when they get home, I, my face lights up. Why can't we be both like, like super strong, very empowered, but also have this sense of like, you know, this very feminine wanting to like, you know, keep a nice environment in a house. I like when she says the word sanctuary, because that's what I feel like, you know, we, we've talked about, you've been to my house. It's also like the vortex because you get there and it's just like, of course, I'm going to be cooking and have 
you know, like candles burning. And I want it to feel like that. And I make, you know, I go out of my way to make it feel like that. So I do sort of understand. I wish I could be her and be like, if it's not this way, it's not going to happen. I I never had a guy come in and want to pay for everything and da, da, da. So like, you know, good for her that she's putting her, her foot down. But I also think like, it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. I do think that like the guy should, you know, um, like I, I want it to feel equitable. So whatever that means, I actually don't like people all up in my kitchen. So I don't need a guy who's coming in and trying to cook and wash dishes and stuff, put things away wrong. I, I really don't like, I really don't like people up in my kitchen. So if he's, like, no thanks. I, I, I hate it. I don't like him. I don't like, I don't even want you to unload the groceries. You're going to put them in places and then I can't find them. My my refrigerator looks merchandised like a grocery store. <laughs> like, I'm crazy about that sort of wow. stuff. Yeah, I'm crazy about that kind of stuff. So I get what she's saying there. But also, um, that also doesn't work for everybody. Some people like real, you know, half, half and half, you know, half and half everything. Some people really go for that. Some people feel empowered by that. Um, But again, not me. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I grew up in a household where every woman in my household has always worked and that is all I've known. And so it's just how I've operated. I mean, I've worked since I was like, 12, 13, you know, like I, it's just what I know. And, and so I think I've carried that into every relationship. Um, And then, you know, when I got into relationships with people who were, who I was doing better than my immediate instinct was to be the caretaker because it's just what I thought I should be doing as someone who was earning more. And then that showed, you know, my independence And I will say that like later on, I was like, that's, first of all, I should never, nobody, I mean, I don't think I should be taking care of anybody, period. Like at the, at the minimum, I want 50, 50, right? So that was already (laughs) a mistake. And, you know, but I'm also like, not like you, I'm not someone that cooks and I'm not someone, (laughs) I do love a sanctuary, um, and I do love a clean house and I love, you know, an organized refrigerator because I don't do those things. I think that's why I lean, lean towards the 50-50 because I need us both to be able to pay for somebody to do that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm, we need to be able to hire <laughs> someone to take care, you know, of the house and, and all of those things. <laughs> so that is why it would probably still be a 50-50 regardless. Um, you know, of course, unless I married a billionaire, which, you know, ain't nobody mad at that. <laughs> like, great. Right. I went out, I went out <laughs> with um, one of, of our, I went out with one of our good friends the other day and she's been out on a couple um, like online dates recently. And she's like, she's like, you know, I just stopped trying to pretend that I was all these things that I wasn't. She's like, I'm so straightforward now with that. Like, I don't cook. I don't clean. I don't do this. I don't do that. But like, guess what? I'm like a boss bitch at work. I make a shit ton of money and I can afford to have people who can come in and do that stuff for me. So like, that's what you're getting. Like, it's going to be clean. I'm just not the one who's going to clean it. The food will be great. I'm not the one who's going to cook it. And she's just like, and that's what that is. And she totally expects, as you totally expects the guy to be able to kind of like, you know, hold his own too. I think like the problem is where like, like we we never really left the house when we started working we went to work and started like chasing our careers and still had to come home at the end of the day and do all the things that we're 
we're doing in the house. So there's this in like inherent feeling of inequity because like we are career minded, but also we're responsible for like taking care of these babies and making sure the house is clean and stuff. It's like, wait a second. Now I'm just legit doing two full-time jobs and like you just have to like earn. And at the very least, if, if that's what you have to do, then like go get that done. And I'll tell you one thing. The minute, the minute the relationship dynamic switches for me where I feel like weirdly like too much of a caretaker or like like too maternal or something with a guy like that is the one thing that will just I'm done like just I'm I'm no longer attracted to you like I cannot be with someone where I feel like oh yeah the sex dries up at that point once once I'm your mom yeah, I just, that is the one thing. I'm like, nope. And now I just, now I don't like you. Like, I just don't like you. I don't want to be naked with you. I do not like you anymore. When that dynamic switches like that, like, no thanks. I cannot be with a, with a guy who, I'm not saying he has to be like a billionaire and like pay my mortgage and all that, but you definitely have got to have your own shit. You've got to be like confident, ambitious, like hold your own. I'm so down to do like all the things that I, I enjoy doing. Um, and I, that makes me happy, but like, you gotta, you gotta handle your shit. And, and it comes with like kid stuff too. I get really annoyed. I was annoyed the other day because Sebastian is two and a half and his hair is getting out of control. And I had, you know, I was trying to get his hair cut kept asking his dad to get his hair cut. He was like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. So finally, um, I, I just said, fuck it. And I went to the barber shop, but I was shitty about it. I was so shitty about it. Cause like, you know, I don't, I didn't know that I had these like, like preconceived ideas of gender roles and stuff. But I was like, as I was sitting in the barber shop, I was like, I don't want to fucking be in a barber shop. I don't want to teach them how to tie their shoes. I don't want to teach them how to ride their bike. Like this to me, I don't know why, but it's just something I felt like you do that. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Like, I feel like that's what your dad's supposed to do with you. So I, yeah, like even if, even though I didn't consciously know that I had like, gender role biases and stuff i guess i i guess i do i guess we all do but you know you don't really think about it till, till it pops up you know so with parenting and just with the relationship part of it like i am so again i would have been popping in the 1800s i'm so happy to cook and clean and create that sanctuary but like i do need the guy to like kill the bugs you know mow the lawn do some guy stuff or pay to get all that stuff done I, I hate I went to go get my oil changed and I was just like, why am I doing this? Like I can, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't ever think about it in the perspective of, you know, I don't have kids. So, yeah, I mean, it, it has to add another layer when you have kids and sort of like, you know, those ideas start coming out that maybe you didn't realize you had. I mean, obviously, as a single person. You know, my expectation, uh, again, agree with you, just be ambitious, just want to be doing something. Um, But like my passion right now is like, I want to travel the world, right? Like all I want to do is travel and I want to eat good food and I want to try all of the things, the finer things in life, right? So 
However it needs to happen, you need to be able to keep up with me in that respect. Mm -hmm. I expect you to be able to earn. And, you know, if we want to fly first class and Mm -hmm. if we want to take a fancy, you know, you know, get a fancy villa somewhere and go to a five star restaurant, I expect you to be able to keep up with that. Now, would I love for you to be able to, like, take me out? And pay for those things 100% every once in a while. Yeah. I still haven't gotten to the point where I think like I need to be, you know, 100% taken care of. But, you know, like give, you know, back and forth. I want you to be able to keep up with me. So like to me, that's like going forward. I would never, I would definitely never put myself in a position where I was managing those things just so that I can do them. I would mm-hmm. I would just do what I'm doing is go by myself or go with my <laughs> girlfriends who can keep up. Like I don't need I don't need a man that bad just because like I really mm-hmm. yeah great. It's nice to have sex on vacation. But you know what also happens on vacation when I go by myself? Sex on vacation. Because oh, vacation yeah. sex is a real thing. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. There's there's guys where you're going. There's guys where you're going. And guess what? They they live yeah. there. They live there. So then you can go back home. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just talking to, to one of our friends is on vacation in Mexico right now. And she's like, I was like DMing her. I was like, where are you? Where are these pics? And she's telling me, she's like, oh, I'm in Mexico. And she's like, she's like, uh, you know, cause, um, cause her guy, she's like, you know, first of all, like, you know, like guys that like, you know, they wear sneakers to the beach, you know, or socks with their slides or like whatever. And I'm just like, oh, we're still doing that. (laughs) Like, you know, but we were laughing because she's been with him for like 10 years or whatever. And she's like, he never takes pictures. Like, I want him to take pictures. He doesn't care. Like, so there's no pictures of her, like just her, you know, Um, because he's just like not into it. And she's like, next time I just want to go on a girl's trip. And I was like, totally. But also that was 10 years ago that she started dating him. So now it's like you think about what you like, what's important to you, to Ebony's point, like what you were interested in 10 years ago and what you're interested in now. If the list has not changed a lot, then you need to get your life together. Because I really hope that you're not looking, not you, anyone, but I really hope you're not looking for the same things. Being, traveling the same is so important. It's such a major, like, how Mm -hmm. do you, you know, like, you can't, you can't travel with someone who, who feels like upgrading to a better seat on the plane is a waste of money. Because he's going to be in coach and you're going to be in the front. And you're just going to be like, all right, baby, I'll see you when we get off this flight. Because, <laughs> like, that's just like a deal breaker yeah. <laughs> for you. Like, you know, like, there's so many little things that, yeah. like, that, like, you know, you've kind of know about yourself now. And I think choosing a partner, like, now is just totally different than than when you're in your 20s. And you're just like, oh, he's so cute. He's funny. I like him. Like, nah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my criteria, what I was like, uh, you know between the ages of 18 and 25, I mean, I actually had criteria that was that he had to be at least six, four. <laughs> now that is just, first of all, I'm five foot six. And like, yes, I love a tall man, but also five foot 10 guy is pretty tall on me. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I know why it's because I was into basketball players, but it's like six, four, like get over yourself, chick. Like, who are you? Um, so yeah, that's not, my criteria has definitely changed. Now it's just about like, can you make me laugh? Can you uh, not 
annoy me in the morning because I'm a morning person. Can you leave me the F alone um, in the mornings? Um, You know, can you keep up? You know, traveling again is like a big one. Um, But I do like I want the I bug things like right now I have um, I have a neighbor who's essentially like my and I'm glad I've always kind of had this wherever I lived. He's basically my pseudo husband, right? Because he's (laughs) a single guy who lives alone. And so you know, I, I talked about it last week. Like he came over, he mounted my TV um, and he does, you know, the things that I don't, I don't do. I don't know how to do. <laughs> and I love that. You know, if we go out somewhere, he loves to drive. So I get, you know, it's like, you know, I have a driver, you know, and those sorts of things that mm-hmm. I just, I did love about being in a relationship. So, I mean, I will say that one thing I always have is, is a pseudo boyfriend, pseudo husband, wherever I go. <laughs> and I'll tell you, um. One more story before we check in with what the listener said. But it's also really interesting because, you know, we could talk about it and we could make it be about financial stuff. You know, the way Ebony's talking about it, pay her bills, pay her mortgage. But it's also like there's a nuance, right? Because one of our good friends who was married to this really great guy, we all love him. Um, but they got divorced and it, it, and he, he did really well, does really well for himself. She does really well for himself. Money has nothing to do with, you know, why they're not together. But I remember one time being like, I don't understand. Explain it to me. And she told me this story where she said, you know, she had two dogs. And, you know, when they were dating, she um, she lived in an area of Harlem that was kind of like like. I guess you would call like rapidly gentrifying or whatever the fuck. So sometimes when she would go walk her dogs late at night, she didn't really feel safe. And he lived like 10 minute walk from her. So she told her she told him this and um, and he ended up hiring a dog walker for her. Um, because he could afford to, so she wouldn't have to walk the dogs. And I was like, oh, and she's like, yeah, but all I really wanted was for him to come over and walk the dogs with me. And I was like, oh. And so, like, sometimes it's not just about, like, the the financial and the means, because, like, she could have hired her own dog walker. She got her own money. But it was about, like, she wanted him to, like, walk over, 10-minute walk, meet her, and then walk the dogs together. And then he could go, this is when they were dating, and then he could go back home or, you know, maybe pop up or whatever it was. But you see, like, sometimes the dynamic is just, you don't get it right because you're just not on the right pages. So it's not necessarily always about financial stuff. It's about, like, the other stuff, the other gestures. And so I don't want it to just seem like, you know, women just want these, like, guys who are rich who can pay all their bills and, like, they all they have to do is, like, cook and clean a house because that's not always what it is. Um, it's just about, like, really being aligned so and, on, and, and on the right page. But anyways, we checked in with you guys, and this is what you had to say. So something that I refuse to budge on is if me and my person are having, like, a conversation and that other person says something like, well, I talked to these other people and these other people said that I was right too. In my mind, I'm like, well, then go date those other people and not me.
it's clear that there are some relationship rules and roles <laughs> that people are unwilling to budge on. But uh, one thing is clear is that either way, we need to make our own money, I think, as women, regardless <laughs> of whether we want someone to spend it on us or we want to spend it on ourselves. We still need our own. So what's our hustle of the week, Vanessa? So I'm actually really excited about this one. I don't know why. You know, we've been doing this now. This is our, our 10th episode, and I try to keep it different every week. But I came across this really cool article, and um, this week is all about collectibles. So collectibles are, by definition, physical objects, tangible assets that have the potential to appreciate in value and diversify your investment portfolio. So this can be anything from like a rare manuscript to fine china, rare bottles of wine, vintage cars, like anything, um, anything in between, right? And so um, again, by definition, they are, they're not liquid, they're unregulated, and they're often like very hard to really pinpoint the price of them. So you want to be, you know, warning, warning, beep, 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 you want to be like, um, you know, really careful what you like invest in because you just never really know. Um, it should be something that you actually enjoy or you like, you have an interest in, not just something that you're doing for an investment because you never know. A an example of that is, do you, do you remember back in the day when like Beanie Babies were like worth like a gajillion dollars and then it was like for one hot minute, people wanted Beanie Babies and were collecting Beanie Babies and now they're, they're back to being like worthless again. So there are certain collectibles that like they they shoot up sometimes and then they drop sometimes. So you have to be like kind of careful. And, you know, the price of collectibles is always going to depend on how rare they are, um, the condition, the more mint, the more mint a condition that they're in, the 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 more you're going to get for them and whether or not you can like find a buyer. So, um, Having said all that, I'm going to tell you the top five things, collectibles, um, that over year after year after year still hold value um, that you can invest in if you're interested. Okay? All right. First up is stamps. Sounds good. <laughs> stamps. Um, I don't this really feels need... like all right, already I feel like this is no way this is going to... Uh, stamps, like the postal service is going out of business. But okay, let's see what happens. Okay, what are you going to say about stamps? Well, okay, so stamps, well, okay, first of all, with stamps, we're like, we're not talking about like, like, are forever stamps. We're talking about stamps that are, <laughs> I hate you so much. There's actually a word for it. It's called um, the philatelic market. So philately is the word for lately is the collection and study of stamps. So this is an international market. It's actually, there's a there's an index, there's a GB250 index, which tracks the performance of the top 250 stamps in Great Britain. Um, so like this is, this is something that's been around forever. Um, there's 
catalogs that you can find with like stamps of the world. I think the most uh, popular one is called the Stanley Gibbons Simplified Catalog. Um, and most of the time you're either into it, maybe like a relative was into it. Um, you may receive like a, like maybe like a, a stamp collection, like inherit something or like whatever. Um, but they are, they're low cost to get started with. Um, you know, what you're looking for is like limited run batches of stamps, you know, um, not something that I'm super interested in, but it's probably the most old school, like collector's item stamps. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like it's what we've been hearing about like in eighties movies. I mean, of course in the eighties movies, it was always like the nerd, right? It was like the nerd with the stamp collection. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like I don't like, I know you're saying we need to find stuff that's interest. I'm not interested in stamps. I don't even know the last time I mailed an actual letter Um, But I I get it. It's been around. Clearly, you know, there's a market for it, but not I I could never collect. I could I could never. (laughs) I hate your guts. And I I hate when you make me laugh that loud because I go back and listen to the podcast of times that I have a very loud laugh. Um, But yeah, uh, same, same. Not collecting stamps. I'm just here to tell y'all, just tell y'all what to do. Um, All right. Coming in at number two is going to be rare coins, similar to stamps. Um, Rare coins are also... um, a huge market they it's like a four billion dollar market um there's a stamp i mean a a coin called called the the flowing hair silver dollar which was minted in 1794 um last september was valued over 10 million dollars making it the most expensive coin in the world um coin collections and study of coins is called numismatics so um obviously ones that aren't in circulation anymore the super super old ones there's again there's books and catalogs there's rare coin dealers and auctioneers there's places where you can grab up a lot of this information if you're interested in it or you might like have some coins that you're like wondering what their value is there's um websites that you can look at um that'll tell you how much your coins are worth i do know um a relative of mine gave me like a like a rare nickel the other day that was it was worth fifty dollars but it's a nickel oh nice i was like oh okay yeah cool like it's no coins i could get into i'm like you know i you know my dad was always like one of those people that had a giant you know jug of like coin you know and it was like mm-hmm. so i got into coins very young just from like being around them and you know when they started like remember when the new quarters came out i was trying to collect like empty <laughs> state and all that stuff um and i always have like i mean i was just going through i just like to keep money from wherever i go anyways like the other day i opened uh, like an old wallet i had and i had like 50 pounds and 40 euros. And I was like, wait, I need to get to a Forex because I actually need this money. <laughs> like, <laughs> why is this just sitting in a wallet? Because I want to have some, you know, cool European and you know, British money. No, like this no. is like, I was like, what's the exchange rate? Anyways, but I always keep money from wherever I travel to. So I could, I could get into coins for sure. Listen, when they were about to come out with the Harriet Tubman, like $20 bill, I was going to get me some of those before um, these politicians said, whoop, never mind. Too black. 
and took that <laughs> shit off the market. And, and then, then I would have had me a few of those. And then and then they were just really racist and never let it get printed in the first place. So still still holding out for that um for that Harriet yeah. Tubman 20. Um all right. The third category is toys. So toys is anything from comic books, model cars, baseball cards, um, uh, like little dolls and figurines. And um, I know you'll remember this because one of our best friends was married to this guy who was like a comic book collector, but he also had like a lot of those like those toy like bobbleheads and like and like doll things, but they were always in the packaging. And he had them in like a storage room on a shelf, like tucked away. And his son like totally went and like found them and was like, oh, toys. And like, oh man, about died. Cause like once you open the box, it's like not even worth very much at all. The whole thing is you have to keep it yeah. pristine in the box, never even open the box. Like, and you know, I was like, well, y'all just need to have a conversation. Like daddy's toys are not the same as like your toys. Cause they look like toys cause they are, but they're not to play with. Yeah, and it are. was like, so yeah, so dramatic. But, um, but, but yeah, this category is crazy because um, you can make some really good money. I will say that the um, so this market is expected to be up to about three point seven five billion by twenty twenty three, with a compounded annual growth rate of four percent. Um, not everything on this market is is you know worth a lot, but um, they called out a few items that were always going to be good if you come across it or if you own it. So made to scale model cars by a company called Dinky Toys um, are always a good investment. Any original Star Star Wars toys between um, or from from the year 1977. So because that's when Star Wars, original Star Wars came out. So if you have any toys from that year, um, that's a good bet. Any comic books that are published between the 1930s and 1970s usually have um, like a really good uh, collectible value. And um, one of the things that I was reading about was if you can, if you find a comic book and the cost on the cover is like 25 cents or even cheaper than that, you you can pretty much bet that it's probably worth um, something. So, and of course, again, with all of these kinds of things, there's archives, there's guidebooks, there's websites, there's, you know, this is very much um, a genre that's driven by nostalgia. So people who like remember this, like they grew up during these times, like, so you, you kind of pull on those sort of heartstrings and people are willing to pay yeah. good money for it. Um, all right. The fourth category is art, which is like, it's art. It's really hard. Who knows? You know, if if the artist is already a big deal, like good luck. Like you, you know, I, I'm not buying anything from Christie's or Sotheby's or anything like that. But if you, you know, this is one that I would say for sure, you you should like it. Don't just buy something because you think it's going to be worth something someday. Yeah. So my friend actually just posted yesterday. I saw she had gotten this art piece. Um, I can't remember who it is um but it was this photograph and um it was gorgeous and so i called her about it because i was like whoa this is like amazing you got this and she was telling me the story about how you know she had initially seen it in like one of those you know 
auction books, you know, that had come across and she saw it and she was just like, oh, I really want it. But like, do I want to like spend money right now, you know, during this? And she thought about it and she was just like, this isn't, you know, I don't need to spend money on this. And she let it go. But she said she regretted it from the moment she let it pass. And she thought about it forever and ever and ever. And then she said something about it and the artist said something like, you know, well, worth the wait. Apparently he had done like only 33 of these photographs, 33 of these prints or whatever. And so she initially, she found it through some other auction place in like Austin, Texas. And she was like, got it. And she was like, you know, I've made the decision that if I, if you think about something this much, you know, you deserve to have it. So she got number 30. Mm. So, you know, that is about art because it's like, it is a great investment because it typically does appreciate, like it never goes down, but Mm -hmm. you have to sit. It's something you have to love because it's like, if you're most likely going to hang it in your house, you know, it's not like you're just going to put it in a storage facility unless you are treating it purely as an investment, but it's like, you have to live with this forever. And it's like, you know, so yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And with all collectibles, um, which is such a good point, like, you know, the, the rule of thumb to really appreciate is like, 15 to 20 years. Like these are things that you want to own. They get, they appreciate and value the longer you have them. So, oh, that's like, I'm so happy she was able to get the last one. And she was like thinking about yeah. it. Um, all right. And the last one, which I am so excited about <laughs> is sneakers. Um, sneakers are currently a 62 and a half billion dollar industry and are going to climb to a 97 billion dollar industry by 2024 that is crazy you know how much i fucking love sneakers and um the obvious brands are um that hold the most value are nike adidas particularly uh Jordans and Yeezys um when it comes to collectible sneakers it's so sad it's like the it's like the toy in the box that the kid opened the you're not you can't wear them you can't do anything you just own them you can't wear them the leather the leather can't crease there can't be anything on the sole not a scuff not anything you just it's just like having them um and I, I headed over to um to this website called, what's it called? Uh, oh, Wealthy Gorilla. And I was like, I, I just had to know the top 20 most expensive sneakers. Girl, this is insane how much these cost. And again, mostly all all Nikes, mo- like Yeezys, um, a lot of collabos. So the ones that were worth a lot were collabos with like, Famous rappers or DJs like DJ Khaled, um, Drake, Eminem, Macklemore. They did a bunch of collabos. And, you know, you sh- some of these. So the the number 20 sneaker in the top 20 was valued at forty five hundred dollars. All right. So that's the so that's the lowest. That's the lowest. lowest. So that's the Air Jordan three OG, um, a beautiful shoe. Um, I love fucking sneakers. And then what's the highest? Okay, so the highest one, and you guys can check everything in between, but the highest one, I don't even really love the highest one because the only reason why it's worth so much is because they um, they dipped it in 24 karat gold. So I'll tell you what that one is. Again, okay. that's that's a collabo that they um, 
that Nike did with uh, Drake. So they're called Solid Gold, OVO, Air Jordans. They're worth $2 million. But again, that's just because they're like legit dipped. They're in, dipped in gold. In okay. gold. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's why they're worth $2 million. So that's number one. Number two is worth $190,000. So you see like the discrepancy between one and two is just okay. so big. All right. So number two are the only ones that aren't a sneaker that's like meant to be in like super, super mint condition. These are actually worn and they're the only ones on the list that were worn. And before Drake dipped his shoes in gold, these were forever the most expensive sneakers. They were worn by, obvious, take a wild guess. No, you're not Michael Jordan. Okay, I was like, is she gonna play this game with me? Um, Yes, they were worn by Michael Jordan in 1984 when Team USA won the gold at the Olympics in Los Angeles. So they are Converse, fast breaks, he signed them, and they um, they were sold at auction. Um, people thought they were going to sell for like $100,000 and they ended up selling for $190,000. So those, those were forever and forever. Those were the most expensive. So who owns them? Oh God, you never get to know who owns these things. Some, some like, who knows? I need to know. It it could it could like, be what like if, what if you started dating a guy and you f- like went to his house and discovered they were like in his house like in some case like he was the one I it's like <laughs> literally know. let me tell you who owns them either a Saudi prince uh, a crypto uh, nerd uh, Drake or like you know like <laughs> who knows who literally knows I don't know I don't know who owns them but. But yeah, so um, so sneakers and uh, that is, look, that is not something you want to get into. It is addictive. Um, and I don't own any sneakers worth thousands of dollars. I actually used to own a pair of Jordans that were worth like $1,200, but I sold them on eBay to make money one time when I had to pay my rent. <laughs> and also, and also, I love sneakers, but not as collectibles because I really like to wear mine. I mean, I keep them in like really great condition, but I like to wear them. So I just can't imagine just like owning them just to own them. But, um, but yeah, yeah. so... So anyways, those are your... That's our hustles. Top, top that's five collectibles. Yeah. Yeah. They're, these are more like long-term hustles, but hustles nonetheless, I love. <laughs> so stick around. We're going to come back for a quick cool down. Kiki, we have arrived at my favorite part of the show, the cool down. So what do you have for us this week? Well, I was, you know, I'm all interested in like relationships because, you know, we were obviously talking about relationships earlier and I started, uh, there was, I don't know if you saw on Instagram the other day, um, Brian Austin Green, who we know from Beverly Hills 90210 as uh, David, I can't remember, uh, David, was it David Gold? I can't remember his name. Silver. Uh, David Silver. I knew it was a color. (laughs) 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 Um, So, you know, him and Megan Fox were in a relationship. They were like together for like 10 years. You know, they have like three kids. Um, And then recently they're, you know, 
relationship has gone, you know, Megan started dating Machine Gun Kelly and uh, they had a little bit like a few months ago, there was an issue because, you know, Brian had posted the kids online and and Megan made a comment about it, how he was basically using his kids as like, she didn't say clickbait, but just like only posting when it made him look like a good father. And they had a bit of like a, a going back and forth on online. And it seemed like a very like not good divorce. And, you know, there would be little slights here and there. Um, and it just didn't seem like they were in a good place anyway. So Brian, I guess, is dating um, a new uh, woman. Her name is, uh, I don't know what her name is, but she's like on like, I think Dancing with the Stars. Let me see what her name is. Shar- Sharna Burgess. I don't know who she is, but I think she's on Dancing with the Stars. Um, so he posted a photo of the two of them like kissing. And his, co- and his caption under it was, it's been a really long time since I've been with someone I can truly share life with. And when you see that, you already are kind of like, feels like a bit of a slight. Okay. Um, But what we saw, and this was captured by comments by celebs, captured under it was Megan's comment where she said, grateful for Sharna. So I thought that was really interesting, Hmm. right? Because it's like, okay, appearance wise, it feels like that means they're in a good place. They're being good co-parents. <laughs> there, she's accepting. But I don't know. Then when I really thought about it, I was like, "Is that is, is that or is or they both just being the most petty people ever and still fighting online without it looking like they're fighting online?" <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Mm, I like to think that it's shady because I love like the shade of it all. Um, I mean, I, I'd also like to believe that maybe you get to a place where where like you are legit happy for, you know, your former partner and co-parent and like you want them to be happy I mean you have to also know like if you still have small children this is someone that's gonna be around your kids and you know who knows why you are not with that person anymore but you're like oh thank god because you know it ain't gonna be you taking care of this person anymore when they're old so you're like oh at least somebody is like you know good like not my problem anymore that's on them but you know, there's lots of different ways of looking at it. I'm still going to go for the shady way. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, because they're still not even divorced. I mean, like they had because they first filed for divorce in 2015, but then they reconciled. And then I feel like then they had a kid after the reconciliation. They and then they dismissed their divorce case in 2019. But then Megan refiled in November 2020. Uh. So they're still not even divorced yet. And so it's like, if they just refiled November, 2020, I can't remember when she started dating MGK, but it feels like they've been been together a while. And I don't know when Brian, but again, it hasn't been more than a year. I don't know, you know, like, I don't know. And so I mean, that's also kind of interesting to me. Okay, two things about what you just said. First of all, number one, she's dating Machine Gun Kelly. So she like already won in the like, like, 
level up after you awards. So then, you know, she can be like, oh, good for you. And Sharna or whatever the fuck. Like, so she's like, I, I'm like, I'm winning. So like she can totally make herself look like the gracious ex because she's like, I won. And number two, um, what I've learned, I was like hanging out with my cousins the other day and like one of my best friends, we were all three in the same room randomly. And all three of them are air quotes divorced. Not one of them's divorce is final yet. And like one of my cousins has been getting divorced for, I want to say five years, same like filed, withdrew the paperwork, filed again, like shit kind of just happened because, you know, her ex got really sick. She was the one with the good health insurance. Like she don't want to be with him anymore, but she doesn't want him to not have great medical attention. Like yeah. he was, it was like a life-saving surgery he needed. So, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that happens and I didn't, some states um, require one year waiting periods before you can really get divorced. So final divorce paper stuff is like, I, I realized that that's not as easy as it looks. You can get married in five seconds in Vegas. It can take you for five fucking ever to divorce somebody so i know but it's like the comment though it's been a really long time (laughs) since i've been with someone i could truly share life with when you just refiled in november 2020 that's to me where the shade comes in personally I love it. And I love these people who like let their relationship play out in the comment section of social media. Like I would never, I never ever, I don't, I don't put any of that shit on my social, but I live for people who do. Cause I'm just like, Ooh, 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 what did he say? What did she say? <laughs> oh yeah. I live in the comment section. I hate the comment section and I love the comment section. Yeah. I love other people's comment section. I don't like necessarily my own comment section. Let's say that. Right. Right. Well, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with she was being shady slash not shady because in the end she's winning. Um, she's winning the divorce game. She's super in the lead and like she's winning. Like she's totally winning. Like her new man and is that like word, great is that word grateful. It's like great. I'm so grateful for you. Thank, thank goodness. Great. Well, is that know. word grateful? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I swear to God. Next week. I can we can we next week I have been wanting to do this next week can we have um can we have like the shade awards can I mean we don't talk about what we're going to talk about the next week but this week was so filled with shade every people have been throwing shade in such masterful ways there's at least five amazingly shady things that happened online last week. I I want us to do the shade awards. Please, please, please. Yeah, maybe instead of the cool down, maybe we live under the shade. We live in the shade yes. and that's how we get cooled down. Yes, yes. <laughs> Next week, I'm holding you to it because I am, there's so much good shade. Oh, anyways. Um, All right, Kiki, that was great. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week with episode 11. We're just trucking along here. And we're going to have some some new features that we're going to share with you guys. So make sure you tune in and we will reveal some new ways that you can um, catch me and Kiki. Uh, So that's going to be exciting. Make sure you're following us um, on IG at the talk of shame and at Vanessa Kantov so you can keep up with us because that's where we're really putting all yeah. the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.
Moms vs. Aunts is brought to you by Cafe Mom. Our theme music is composed by Coney Island Music. We want to hear from you. To give us your comments, leave us a voicemail at 929-265-0277, and we might include them in the show. You can also reach us by email at momsvaunts at gmail.com. Remember to rate, review, and follow Moms vs. Aunts wherever you get your podcasts. And for more parenting stories, real talk, and entertainment news, go to cafemom.com.